You don't have to know fancy terms like ceramic, metallic, and calibrous to know that this sound isn't a good thing. And now at most Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, you'll get a $75 prepaid Visa card when you spend $250 on brakes. Do it yourself or have it done for you and save $75. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 531.19. Welcome, everyone, to our sweaty little podcast. Sweaty? <laughs> Speak for yourself. Bla- blasting anabolism out of the high desert of Boise, Idaho. <laughs> Anabolic tornado. Uh. Nick Coleus, um, some kind of editorial creature here at bodybuilding.com. <laughs> to my left, as always, as ever, is Chrissy Kendall, editor of Science. All science. All science. <laughs> do you edit? Do you edit? Science? I, Can you, you edit? even oh. edit? You <laughs> Are you allowed to edit science or is science just it comes out perfectly boring? Do you even or, science? Yeah. yeah. We've also got uh, Cassie Smith, another BBCom lifer, cre- <laughs> created in a test tube to crush wads. For real. <laughs> got a baby that's straight up walking at seven months old. <laughs> Cruel and unusual parenting. <laughs> <laughs> Not so keen on spiders, though. I learned yesterday. Yeah, that thing was gross. Oh, it had it had a face on it, <laughs> it like did. with a mustache. I think I saw a mustache. But, but you know, some people. I, I posted a picture of a of a spider, cool looking spider on Instagram. Harry. And disgusting. Yeah. Had a face on its back. Most people, if they have a problem with it, they would mention it in the comments. You know, I mean, of course, I don't have comments online because nobody follows me. But, <laughs> I texted. <laughs> but Cassie, does she, think- she doesn't hit the comments. She straight up text messages me and says, and I quote, is that a fucking spider? Where are you? Why does that even exist? <laughs> I, think she, I think she thought I was stuck in the web. Yeah. Like the spider had captured yeah. me. <laughs> The spider actually like, posted yeah, it to Instagram. Exactly. Like, no, I, I took did. over. I did, like, yeah. Save me, Instagram. <laughs> save me, celebrities of Instagram. <laughs> um, we have four at the table today, actually. We've also got Abby Smith Ryan. She's got a baby as well. Uh, I've got a baby. No, I don't. Oh, yeah, I have about a baby. Your yeah, I was here for I, babies. I, I, no, I'm we don't babies. need to talk about babies. Oh, out today. But she's oh. also got a PhD. The, the food. It's got the C uh, the C S C S D the kiss kissed kissing all the letters, um, but more to the point. Next on is caffeine. I know. Yeah. She's also an assistant professor at uh, UNC Chapel Hill, where, in the words of um, our nutrition editor Paul Salter, she crushes the Dexas. Oh. That's what he told me. I said, "Do you know her?" And he said, "I don't really know all that well, but I know she crushes the Dexas." Mm-hmm. Wow. Good to know. Good <laughs> something to put on the name. Dexa crusher. Right yeah. <laughs> Add it to the signature line. Um, also, an author, co-author on dozens of papers. Um, I don't know. Nobody reads them anyway. <laughs> <They, laughs> there's four of us. Yeah. They they just they just want those body fat scans. Yep. That's all they want to know. Except they don't really want a DEXA, right? No. Because a DEXA will tell you how wrong you've been about your body fat level. Yeah, and that's how what, fat what, you really are. <laughs> like your soul. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, let's not see it. <laughs> uh, today, I I don't know what exactly we'll be talking about. If uh, what's happened so far is any indication, I'm figuring. Body comp and body fat and strength and nutrition for women, mm-hmm. uh, and those other jerks too. Yeah, occasionally <laughs> they're important talk too. About men, you know? Are they? They make babies. <laughs> yeah. They assist. Yeah, through that. You ever done a DEXA scan on a baby? <laughs> oh, there's bot, some bot pods. Pee pod. Yeah. Pee pod. Why, why have, would you? They why? have bot pods for babies. Yeah, for like uh, fat babies. No, to see like check obesity rates of children. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah. Aren't they supposed actually, to be obese babies? Well, no, like when we, well, we had um, one of our close friends. She works she, at Kansas Medical Center now. Mm-hmm. And she, when she was pregnant with her first, mm-hmm. she was getting bod pods throughout mm-hmm. her pregnancy. So they were looking at her uh, body composition. And then when her baby girl Chandler was born, um, for a period of time, they would both do it. And so it's That's this cool. pee pod is what they call instead of the bod pod. Pee-pod. But they, they wrap them very tight so that they can't move. And then they do measurements that way. But yeah, I mean, it, there's, so it's, it's not a like they're- a womb and a womb and a womb. Yeah, they're not really like competition lean, right. but um, <laughs> <laughs> sure they could work on it if they wanted to. Well, it's tracking what happens with the mom, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And how that impacts obesity, like- mm-hmm. In the child, which yeah. is pretty it's cool. Really cool. Yeah. But those aren't the kind of DEXAs you've been, you've no. been crushing. No, I do. Uh, we actually had to get a bigger DEXA to fit the very large individuals. I, it, it was mm. the weight limit of 350 was not large enough for football players. Or? Some, yeah, we see a lot of retired NFL athletes, and then huh. a lot of athletes, and then just normal, overweight, obese people too. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So 450 is our limit now. 450. That's a big, big person. Yeah. Okay. So, so like, how many, how many DEXA scans do you think you've done? Oh, hundreds. Yeah. Like at least a thousand. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Way more than that. Okay. So yeah, I imagine just having that, having that volume to look at, you, you have a different perspective on body fat than Uh than somebody who's just like. Yeah. If you take your shirt off, I probably could tell you. you No, but the cool thing, too, about DEXAs and looking at the different body sizes. You can tell from my wrist. (laughs) The small ass wrist right there. (laughs) See, like in relation to their skeleton, too, like where they hold all the fat Uh and the -hmm. the disproportion Mm -hmm. of it. Like it's, it's so cool to even just pass. Okay, so you get a percentage, which is great. But all of the other data you can get from a DEXA is really Really interesting right, there's stuff. There's bone information mm-hmm. too, right? And muscle. We do a lot with um, like injury prevention or like post-injury looking at muscle imbalances and return to play. And we actually published a really interesting paper on um, gymnastics and spine curvature um, and even high jumpers. So like all torsional rotation athletes have a, a spinal curve or most of them and they don't know about it. Mm. And so knowing that you can kind of tweak their training to be more unilateral or kind yeah, of sticks like analysis. It, it makes me think like, you know, you, you, you go to a gym, or you sign up through a little transformation program, they'll they'll give you the calipers or, or you know, the electrodes or something like mm-hmm. that early on. Um, if, if there's a DEXA in every town, if somebody went and got a DEXA scan instead, just a normal person, what what extra value would that provide to mm-hmm. them just for, for their, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure what my goal is. I think I, I want to lose, you know, my my spare tire sort of. The best thing is it's a three compartment model. So it does give you, it's a little bit more accurate for muscle. Mm-hmm. So I would say it would be more advantageous if they were to do it like a tracking changes type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's less influenced by like water and exercise, whereas like skin folds and total body water are the stickers mm-hmm. and you don't have to strip down yep. you can mm-hmm. go that's always been a benefit yep. you can go in sweats or whatnot so can you just go to your local bsu <laughs> <laughs> your local college be like hey dexa me or some of them will well how, could you could you tell us how to operate the machinery ourselves if we snuck in after <laughs> hours? Okay, maybe i've tried to do that before yeah. <laughs> you have to do we uh we've gone through abby and i've gone through um extensive training um for radiation, uh-huh. uh, we've learned about the history of radiation oh. to, to use a DEXA, and then you have to go through certification through DEXA mm. to get. So it's it's a little bit harder, I would say, than some of the other forms. In some states, um, you actually have to have an MD and or, or like really? an actual technician. Yeah, yeah, it depends on the state. Mm. 
So it's okay. not that bodybuilding.com insurance no, probably, probably doesn't not cover, not cover it. Cover it yeah. But but I mean as we as we mentioned earlier, you don't you kinda don't want to know the answer necessarily, right? If you're one of those internet ripped people, you're like, oh bro, you're so twelve percent. Oh, you're so seven. How, how different how different is the number, a DEXA number versus, you know, those those internet ideas of what um, what a certain level is? It's of. very, very different, mm-hmm. even between DEXA devices, but I will say it's really nice, like Post baby, I wanted to track <laughs> my body composition, and it was really, really interesting to see even um, like where you store your fat. So Dexa, though our new Dexa tracks visceral fat and abdominal fat, mm. and so like it's really good at tracking lean mass too. And so I got to a point where I was like, "Fuck, I can't lose any weight." And I was like, "Okay, let's you know wrap your head around this. Let's get on the Dexa." And I'd gain like five pounds of lean mass. Mm-hmm. So even though I couldn't get my weight down, so it's good to like put things in perspective. Mm-hmm. You okay? So just on that topic, because I think post-pregnancy weight mm-hmm. is a big deal for fitness-minded individuals. Scary. It is, mm-hmm. and so to see what your body looked like before, and you. So again, just quick background: collegiate athlete. Um, has done a figure show before. So you're one who definitely came from a you on the leaner side prior to um, having your we baby. We can always be and a then, little leaner, right? right. <laughs> and then you have then you have a baby, and you know Cassie the same thing. Just being a an athletic individual prior to, but then the pressure and the expectations that you put on yourself and that mm. other people put on you when. When do you feel it's a good time to start going back to, okay, I'm going to try to get back to what I was pre-pregnancy? Um, or is it, it is it possible? Is it, yeah. Like, like, I mean, like, did you look I'm, at your, your deck and go, same. I'm different I'm, now. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. okay. You know, it's okay that right. I'm never going to be, like, I'm but you, you hear women say this. that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's a good question, Cassie. You might have a different perspective, I think. Like, your body will always be different. You had a child, right? But I think if you do it right, right, if I think if you exercise throughout, I told this to Chrissy, I view birth as an athletic event, right? If you, like, train and eat like you were competing, um, your body responds how it should. And then even after the fact, like, I nursed until I think he was 13 months, 12 months. And so that has a big impact, too of how you want to manipulate things, but there's a lot of things you can do. So I definitely got back to where I was. Um, But, you know, like your body serves a different purpose, you know? So I think you have to be, figure out what your goals are. And it can be vanity, right? Like I wanted to get where I needed to be so that I could be a good mom and, you know, be fertile again. And you know what I mean? So, and a lot of injury prevention stuff too. Like you want to get your core tight and your, you know, your nether regions tight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, new carriage. (laughs) So when I do hit on a treadmill, I don't walk up with wet pants. (laughs) So, I mean, I think there's some underlying motivation, you know, like you can be skinny and lose a bunch of weight, but you lose lean mass. So like doing it slow and steady is there's a definitely a way to do it. You you mentioned a really interesting idea in there too of training for birth mm-hmm. like it's an athletic. I love event. that mm-hmm. I like idea. That. My, my wife totally did that, mm-hmm. and it made such a huge difference because it's like it's like a battle for your life. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Cassie can understand having gone through the Cassie CrossFit too. Games before giving birth, mm-hmm. yeah. just like While a day or two before yeah. giving birth, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was. It's rough. It's way rough. No, and it's interesting what you're saying. For me, it's been. Um, a weird battle. It was a weird identity battle for me when I was pregnant because I was 
like my identity was to be a, a like an elite athlete mm-hmm. and then when I was pregnant like my identity turned into pregnant person and that just like was crazy for my mind and then post-pregnancy I was like what am I now? Like just mom or can I ever be back mm-hmm. to elite mm-hmm. Well, and then instantly we all are asking, are you going to compete in the next right, games, right. Cassie? When are you doing? When's your next I did game? not ask that question. <laughs> maybe hinted so, at it. So maybe hinted. No, everybody else asked. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So that's been, that was, that was probably the hardest part for me. It was like, to, like wrapping my my mind around like who I am. <laughs> that's not like, that's really deep or whatever, but that was the hardest part I think for me for pregnancy yeah. and like, my career as an athlete and what it what it will turn into if it will ever be the same and that's still I'm still trying to figure that out and I don't know I hope so hmm. is, that, is that something that you've encountered in Dexa scans where maybe just <laughs> just what, is your brain like yeah. a little sad no no no, no, no. I'm saying that, that maybe a, a woman's body is just kind of different afterwards like, I, I know I'm, I'm speaking totally anecdotally I know women who say that like it's just it's so much harder for me after I had this one baby is the, is there any real um, info or, to back time. that up? Or, It'll or never is it be just because the, the lifestyle yeah. is different? And is where that, before yeah, exactly. I could get or is it the lifestyle? To the gym yes. and I had to prep food for myself. Yes. Now I have to take care of a baby, and then also if that if I'm you know breastfeeding or doing that, I need to make sure I'm you know taking mm-hmm. in enough nutrients and stuff. Whereas before I could do like a fifteen hundred calorie cut for yeah. four weeks. I yep. can't do that. Yep. Yeah, when, for sure. Like so, I think most of it's lifestyle. And now I will say, like some women. Every pregnancy is different, right. right? So, like, if you gain a lot of weight really fast, like, stretch marks sometimes never go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think exercise has a big impact on that. And, two, I think some women's hips, like, they never are the same gene size. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you can't be the same leanness, you know? So there are a few things. But, honestly, I think it goes back to lifestyle. Like, you have to be more strategic with your training. And one thing I think about, too, is I always incorporate my son with what I'm doing. So we, like, have a bike, and we'll go do intervals on that. And when he was little, I'd, like, sit him next to the treadmill and do intervals. And now he, like, loves, you know, like, being involved in activity. I think teaching them young is important, too. And so not only are you – sometimes as women, I think we – forget to do self-care and like Mm -hmm. that's our time and so like incorporating your children make you more strategic you and you know and doing more high intensity like get it done opposed to like let me drink at the drinking fountain in between each set you know so like just being more um, purposeful yeah and I think that's a good point because it it, it can be very easy to say oh it's yeah it's uh yeah where was I going with that? <laughs> but but um, it, it can be easy to look at, at birth as a challenge to fitness. But at the same time, there I'm sure there are many women who f- just see that wake-up call at the same time. Like, you know what? Actually, there is a purpose to this now. Mm-hmm. And just the, the, the fact that I have so many fewer hours all of a sudden makes me, yeah, a little bit more intense and a little bit more efficient, a little mm-hmm. more driven to get it done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives you more energy. You know, like it really in the overall like has a huge impact. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like you said, and never having been pregnant, I don't have a baby, (laughs) but just knowing that in general, when we give fitness and nutrition advice, not not one person is going to be the same and not one person is going to respond the same. And so pre post pregnancy, you cannot compare or expect Mm -hmm. yourself to respond in the Mm -hmm. same way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just listening to the your body um, and, you know, being around and having seen Cassie and talked to her post pregnancy and you know, when certain lifts just didn't mm-hmm. feel good, it was like, I'm just not going to do them mm-hmm. today. And then when it felt good to go up and wait, okay, I went up and wait today. And, you know, I'm not at a PR yet, but I'm getting close to there and just not rushing mm-hmm. the whole thing. And I think part of that's just your perspective. It's like, why, mm-hmm. why do I even need to? Like, what am I trying to prove? Mm-hmm. 
I've just created this beautiful life. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's you know important enough right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So just I think outlook on it too. Right, but your your sport is also it's a performance oriented sport. Yes, like you have you have that going. Yeah, I don't have you. to worry about my abs showing. Right. Yeah, as yeah. much as I want them to. Like that's for me. Like for for weightlifting, I just have to be a certain weight. Mm-hmm. So that's been really nice. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily worry about body composition, but just like my weight. Yeah, and yeah, that's been yeah. A, it want, takes a load off. I want to return to, to body fat for a second too, because it's just it's something that you know we, we see a lot. If you walk down the hallways in bodybuilding.com, there are those posters. Yeah, I showed her. Are people's oh, yeah. body mm-hmm. fat right next to their name, like that's mm-hmm. part of their fitness calling card, and something that Cassie and I in the past have have um, you know had conversations about is what. A, what the lowest healthy level yeah. is for a woman, yeah. or not only the lowest healthy level, but the lowest responsible level mm-hmm. to put out there. Mm-hmm. We yeah. see we see pictures all the time of of a woman. She says, "Oh, I'm nine percent," and we think, "Okay, is nine percent possible for a mm-hmm. woman? Mm-hmm. Is it healthy for a woman? Is it advisable for yeah, a woman? Yeah, like are Yeah, like, should we be telling people, "Hey, this is what you should be at"? Right. You, you yourself yeah. said, you know, you, you can always lose a little bit more fat. Yeah. Well, I think it's <laughs> funny too because we all have our own set set point. And I'll just give you kind of a quick story. So when I was in college, I ran, and we would get our body fat like every couple weeks, which is ridiculous, right? <laughs> um, but I had nine stress fractures, and mm. every time I would get a stress fracture, it was when my body fat got below 15%. Mm. And that's not that low. Yeah. I mean, it's low, but... Um, For female athletes. And yeah. You were, uh, there's, runner. That, there's, that, yeah. there's that male versus female right. body right. fat thing that's in this as well, but continue. And so, like, a lot of other runners could get lower, but for me, it was not healthy. Like, I couldn't get lower than that, and so I knew I needed to be more like 15-16%. Um, and so, for women, the lowest you'll ever see is really, like, 9 or 10%. I would never see that on a DEXA. The lowest I've ever seen a female on a DEXA, I think, is, like, 16%. Mm-hmm. Which, not to cut you off, but you bring up a good point, and sometimes I get questions about different methods mm-hmm. of body comp mm-hmm. and how sometimes people, like, they, it's kind of like the spectrum, and sometimes the leaner you are, it may overestimate mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. The uh, more fat you have, it actually has a tendency to underestimate you. So, mm. DEXA, and and it can do so that. So, it's not so perfect. No. Well, so, so, for sometimes, for lean people, will always overestimate mm-hmm what their actual body fat is because of just inherent air with the... Which at the end of the day, who the hell cares? Right, right. right. But it's more about, and I'll say this to my YouTube cares. Yes. <laughs> well, cares. they need to find something else to care about. <laughs> yeah. right? Like People are dying yeah. in Africa. <laughs> Hurricanes. Yeah. Global warming. Yes, <laughs> Well, so so what's, what's the lowest number you've ever seen in a DEXA scan for a man, then? Yeah. Um, I think the lowest I've ever seen is 9% on a DEXA for really? a man. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, we have people around here who are swearing that they're 3%, no, man. No, not happening. <laughs> no, uh-uh. Um, and because, like, the DEXA, you know, they actually assumes, like, how dense your brain and head is, like, if you have a fat head. And, no, it just assumes some of those things. And, like, your bones and organs, it's more accurate. And so, like, if you think about even assuming some of the t- density of those tissues, like, some of them look more like fat than others. And so, like, your brain, the density is more closely related to fat than it is muscle, you know, mm-hmm. some of those things. And so, mm-hmm. and if you think about some just essential fat, when you look at that and what's published, they'll say, like, men 2 to 3%. And so, like, with a bod pod, I've seen like a one to two percent value, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I believe that, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just air within a device, and it goes back to mm-hmm. tracking changes. At the end of the day, we want to see if whatever we're doing is working, or you know, are we, you know, what's the change? Not just in weight, but composition. That I think has more health implications. Overall body fat, unless you're talking about you know like visceral fat, which is where you know has more health consequences, or overweight obesity, some of those things, it, it makes a difference on kind of general fat. But 
most devices have like a plus or minus 4% error, which is huge. That means you could be, you know, 20% one day, 25% the next day, and what, 16% the next day. Which is why you don't do body comp every day. Yep. No, or I every month. Tell people yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Don't expect changes. And then they get so upset. Or like and over like half a percent. Yeah, and they're yeah. psyched. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, that's, so, that's within an the air yeah. of that mm-hmm. piece of equipment yeah. and trying to explain that to people. They yeah. don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Everyone is so fixated on a number mm-hmm. and it doesn't care. They don't care about performance necessarily, mm-hmm. how their body is actually functioning. Mm-hmm. But it's that stupid number mm-hmm. with a percentage sign next to it. And that's <laughs> All we care about. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, what what I'm hearing here is that is that maybe in the pantheon of performance markers, body fat shouldn't be quite as as high as people assign it value wise. I I've read online where you said, yeah, body, you know, living, dying by the scale also is mm-hmm. not is not the way to go. Where did where did these belong in in the order of importance? You know, with yeah strength and how you feel and that's a good. I mean, I think it, you should incorporate everything, right? And at the end of the day, sometimes it's how your pants fit, right? You know, so I think it has a big impact. And I would say you shouldn't live or die by anything, right? And it's really looking at well, what are your goals? And I would argue if your goal is to put on lean mass, well, who cares what the scale says, right? And maybe you want to get even who really cares what fat mass says because you're bound to gain some fat if you're trying to put on muscle, like to some extent. So it's really figuring out what your goals are. And maybe your goal is total strength. And who cares about weight and, you know, percent fat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Assuming that, you know, they don't get carried away with it. Right. Like, oh, we'll right. just eat cake yes. and, you yes. know, because it's strength. I'm working on strength. So It was interesting that you said you, you, you found a, there's a certain level of body fat where below that mm-hmm. your, yeah. your mm-hmm. bones mm-hmm. were actually yep. getting symptomatic. Yep. You know, um, a, a woman who has a number in her mind or who has just fat loss in her mind, if if the numbers aren't really a good guide for her, what what is? Yeah. How yeah, do you know great. when you're getting too low? Yeah. Because yeah. there are women around here that sometimes we go, I think she's getting a little too low. Yeah, you know? there's a couple of things. So we actually use, um, I use DEXA a lot to calculate what we call ideal body weight. Mm -hmm. And so like a woman might come to me and say, you know, I want to lose 30 pounds, right? And we'll do her body comp. And when you actually look at it, she can't lose 30 pounds. Otherwise, you're going to lose the lean mass. So there are some good calculations you can do. And then there's other things that like you can tell if you're too low in essential body fat. Your hair falls out. Your skin is really dry. You have no glow. You lose menstruation, yes, you know, for, for women. women. Hormones are Yeah, by that. huge impact. And like overall fatigue, but like early symptoms. Like you can tell if a female is too low. Like she looks dry and like mm-hmm. You know, just not yeah, full and like happy. A and, face yeah, type of, like you can see it. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> hair falls out. That's like a really easy symptom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the, it, but that's different for everybody, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Okay. What well, is is there something? Is there is there a, um, a level that you can think where it starts to impair athletic performance? Mm, depends on the sport, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, I mean, lots of if you get too low, lots of injuries happen. But I think. I guess, again, it really depends. But most female athletes, I would say, fall between 15 to 18% mm-hmm. um, in general. What would you say for general population, fitness-minded, so not a competitive mm-hmm. athlete, um, but someone who does you know, work out five days a week? Because that, that would obviously be a little bit different than we would say a general population. Yeah. That would be I train or I do moderate activity three times a mm-hmm. week. Is there... What yeah. kind of ranges? Because I still think people are really distorted mm-hmm. when I say, you know, oh, she's 23% body fat. And they're like, oh, she's huge. overweight. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. 
Not at all. Yeah, I would say the lowest I would ever want like an average fitness goer to be like 18% is pretty low Mm -hmm. and for female. And so I would say probably depending on their age, obviously, as you get older, you have a little bit more leeway. Um, (laughs) But like 25%, I would probably say this kind of like the cut point you want to be less than eight between 18 and 25% Mm -hmm. is kind of like a pretty lean individual. Yeah. For women, Um, for men. Um, I think it depends. There's so much more variability with men. Damn men, they can yeah. lose fat. <laughs> no boobs and no hips, right? No brains either. Yeah. Really, really brain. no fat at all. Uh, yeah, so it'd be a little bit lower. I mean, obviously, like, I mean, I've actually seen some pretty fit guys at like 18%, which is maybe on the upper end. So I would say maybe like 14 to 18%. I don't know, what would you say in the low end? Maybe twelve percent. I was gonna say twelve. Yeah, yeah is yeah, mm. but still, just not and it depends fair. on how you're and measuring. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So speaking, kind of just now that we've brought men into the picture, um, they're so, always in the yeah. picture somewhere. That well, I block them out. Um, <laughs> I block so, them so on so Instagram. I, so, yeah, I block them on Instagram all the time. He's only saying that because <laughs> there's three women next I to know, us. I know, but uh, I think there's a lot of uh, interesting points to be made, and, and just a discuss discussion in general that we hear a lot on. Um, things where men and women might respond differently is that as far as fitness okay so uh, exercise the way we train um, and how we lose weight is there really that big of a difference how men and women would respond to a similar training program are we just as women kind of using that as an excuse well I'm a woman and my hormones I have too much estrogen so I will never lose this weight or you know I I can't do this type of um, lifting because I'm a woman and I'm going to get bulky. I I just feel like we constantly compare. And I think a lot of times over assume or, uh, or assume that we yeah are too different to see the similar results if we try mm-hmm. to give common advice. Mm-hmm. So any, any examples where you say, yes, no, actually men and women respond differently to this mm-hmm. or no, it's kind of the same. Yeah, no, I think you bring up a really interesting point. I would say first as a scientist. um, (laughs) Scientists get Yes. um, We actually don't know. There's, like, no data comparing men and women, especially, like, postmenopausal women. Like, we need to know how they respond differently. Mm Because they do, but that doesn't necessarily mean we need to give them a different program, right? And so there's a lot left we we don't know. Yeah. Um, And we obviously know, generally speaking, men are stronger than women, Um in a general sense, but that doesn't mean women shouldn't do the same exercises, right? And then I think you bring up the like quintessential point, right? Women think they're going to get huge. Now, some women genetically have more testosterone, but we still will never have enough or like compared to a man. So you will never get huge mm-hmm. um, unless you take testosterone. Some, yeah. some men need that yeah. to get yeah. huge. Yeah. Most men yes. need that to get huge. Yeah, too. yeah. <laughs> But um, the, yeah, oh, go ahead. No, no, go for it. I think thinking about about strength, though. So mm-hmm. you know, you go back twenty years ago, and one rep max strength was the domain of powerlifters, mm-hmm. which was a fundamentally male sport at mm-hmm. that point. But now you see um, a lot of not only female competitive powerlifters, but just women who want to get strong mm-hmm. and who are valuing that sort of mm-hmm. high level mm-hmm. absolute strength. Um, you CrossFit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I don't know, but but what what special considerations or or mm-hmm. questions or concerns? 
should that should that woman have in mind? Mm-hmm. I mean, like just talking off the top of my head, and I don't know why I have pregnancy on the brain, but there are things that happen. Like estrogen does cause joint laxity, so like you are more susceptible to, you know, slip a joint or do something. So um, some activities may me- may need to transition, but it's like anything. If you train up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no limitations in that sense for a female. I wouldn't say. I don't know what you guys would say. Yeah. I think what's cool about women in in the strength world is that because women are sort of new to it, our what what we could do and what we could be is just like no it's no one knows yet. Mm-hmm. Like no right. one knows what the strong I think men are pretty much tapped out. Yeah. Women there's just yeah. like this it's we never we don't know. It's mm-hmm. it's imme- it's so cool to think about like what could happen. You look at sprinters over the last hundred years, men's times have started to sort of like mm-hmm. even out and women's just keep going up. And I just think the more opportunity we give women to like be what they could be, like we just, we don't know. But yeah, like I look think, at the Olympics. Yeah, yeah right? exactly. It was like more than 50% women. Well, and I think that just comes, it's not because women are doing new novel right. training nutrition techniques. I think we're just doing stuff that guys have been doing yes. for a really long time, like taking creatine because we know it works. <laughs> I had to get that in there. Sure. Sorry. <laughs> Big creatine. She's, she's been like in their pocket for a long time. <laughs> yeah, creatine. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, I think it just goes back to um, not being afraid of that sort of yes. stuff, and, yeah. and it's just it's a misconception. And consistency, yeah. right? Oh, like consistency. we've been at it longer, where we we like. I mean, we all know, right? If you train long enough, your set point changes, and so it's. Giving women the opportunity to train from when they're young until they're old. Exactly. Yeah. You know? yeah. Right. But but at the same time on the internet, you see these camps develop where you're like you're a strength person, you're a muscle person, mm-hmm. and and you know I, I um I see a lot of people just sort of you know swear off anything over five reps basically. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. just bodybuilding. That's just vanity. Mm-hmm. My concern with uh, with a woman who's new to it is that she's going to be chasing for that coming from a lifetime of not lifting, mm-hmm. which is basically what I was until I started working here. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to lift weights. Now so, he's you know. a deadlift king. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but but at the same time, you know, yeah. How, how how much should a woman do you think focus on building her muscular base before throwing herself into strength necessarily? I mean, I mean, of course, it depends on her background. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say you you actually had quite I mean you've done worked with a lot of populations female populations who were more sedentary than not mm-hmm. prior to and so yeah yeah I mean I think it's with everything like you want to make sure you're not putting them in a situation where they're going to get injured right and everybody has different genetics but it's like anything like you don't want to go do deadlifts if you have a really weak core right mm-hmm. so it's really and I think if you take a female that's had a baby and never worked on their core they're going to be more susceptible mm-hmm. to injury so I think it's taking a few extra precautions to tighten the center right before you like move on to some heavy things where you need that core really tight um but otherwise it's the same like you wouldn't throw a dude into you know something if they don't have a strong base Mm -hmm. so um yeah definitely important if you take someone that's never done anything and i think even more important so i obviously work on a college campus and you get these girls that like i'm gonna do five pound dumbbells right (laughs) and only if they're pink yeah and you have to talk like well, this. <laughs> but it's sad because they think they're like working out, right? But it's not to their advantage. So even if they think they've been training, making sure like they're they're doing it appropriately and then and actually doing a high enough stimulus, you know? So it's a lot of lack of knowledge, but there is some really cool movements that are catching on. And obviously you guys do a good content, you know, to, to show people how to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of just going a little bit more on that, you mentioned, you know, are, are you getting enough of a stimulus? Are you, 
you know, what bare minimum, if, a, you know, oh, I'll back up a little bit, um, specific to women is our bone health. Um, so let's take physique out for just a second, and then we'll mm-hmm. kind of get into there mm-hmm. and say, what what might we do something? Like, what are some cool training modalities that we could use? Women specific, you know, whether it's hit or a type of lifting, but just health. So we've got bone that we're trying to strengthen. So what minimum? You have someone who's not very active or, or who's you know looking at becoming more active. What would you recommend have them do? We'll definitely start some strength training, right? And I think, squats, yeah, squats, squats. Well, lower body. Yeah. And I think even, you know, a lot, you see a lot of women with shoulder problems, right? Mm. Because if you think about how we sit all day, we're humped forward. And unless mm-hmm. you're doing some mm-hmm. sort of, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you, unless you do some sort of back exercise, you are f- humped over all day. Yeah. And so, so posture is a, is a big yeah. concern. Yeah. Core, and posture Core and posture seem to be like two. Yep. And then obviously bone is super important. You see so many women, even that are runners that are low. Right. And so, um, I would say, I always say like, do something that you couldn't do more than eight times. Right. And not like, oh, I'm going to do a five pound dumbbell eight times. Like really like you <laughs> couldn't do it nine. Um, that's like a good kind of starting threshold. Yeah. Weight selection. But, yeah. Does, but does it necessarily have to involve an external load or, you know, if you can do push-ups. eight to 10 push ups, is that a sufficient bone, bone building stimulus? Um, it can be. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if you're t- starting with sen- uh, someone sedentary, so I'll take like your average 45 year old female that doesn't know what they're doing. Like I'll have them do body weight squats so they know what they're doing and that you can, a lot of women don't know how to contract their ass, right? Like they like lean forward and only lose, use their legs. Mm-hmm. So you can throw them into like lunges or squats. So being able to sit down and stand up and really like squeeze your butt um, and get yeah. that base started first. And so I would still argue you would want to like pick up, you know, two gallon milk jugs and like have some sort of stimulus as long as you have the the technique, right? Because you do need that stimulus. So if you can only do eight to 10 pushups, that might be a good place to start for your upper body. Um, but most of us need a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Glute- gluteal amnesia is just I was it's robbing say, a generation. Yeah, I was like, you just like the words you just said, like lit up Nick's brain. Like, yes, the butt. Like, I, you know, the that's butt what, is the answer, it, man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, seriously, have you ever seen how many flat butts there are? And yeah. like, even like, I'll have to like switch my training so you like. We just get over, we overcompensate mm-hmm. on our quads. And so really like, and you know, getting that butt, that's, that's well, where it's at. For women in particular, for, you think? Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, yeah. is there a d- Well, I would say part of that is that like boys get to, I don't know, when, when boys mm-hmm. are boys, they like get taught how to do stuff mm-hmm. and they get to play sports, they get to play football and you get taught how to jump and you get taught how to land and it. And you just get to play more. And for mm-hmm. for little girls, you know, we're sort of taught to sit around and color and like <laughs> jump rope. And yeah, you don't get hey, the jump same. Rope is good. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, and just be sort and of play more house and right. That sort so of you, thing. I just I just think in in general, girls just don't get the same get to learn how their body works or in the best ways, yeah. the same way that boys do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sort of causing this whole like. I mean, it's been generational since the freaking beginning of time of like how you can use your body and use it more. If it makes you feel any better, nobody's getting taught that, boys or girls now. Yeah, and that's true. Physical activity. (laughs) Well, and the hard part about that too is sometimes when you're working with um, individuals and trying to get them to start training more, and you give them cues that you would think anyone would get that, or you you know, okay, now uh, squeeze your butt or like uh, tuck your hips under, and they stare at you and they're like, I have Uh, no idea what you're talking about, and it's Mm -hmm. just awkward watching Mm -hmm. them. And mm-hmm. let me help you. <laughs> 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 See, 
didn't hear hey, poke, that. Poking yeah. butt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do want to follow up on that just because I know you've done a lot with high intensity interval training. Um, we actually did that in grad school quite a bit. Um, so we talked a little bit just from a health perspective. Some of the things that we could focus on start with core posture, those sorts of things. But now let's be real. Like I, you know, have Ain't uh, nobody got and, time for yeah, that. I was like, <laughs> I, you know, I need to get my ass into shape now. I've, I've, you know, I've been training for a long time and, you know, you have your ebbs and flows for weight and body fat. So, uh, you know, what, what are just some of the ways you can kind of kick up your workouts and especially for, for women too. And we're busy and we're running the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Who runs the world, world girls? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just want to hear kind of your thoughts on that and, you know, your experience with all of it. Well, of course I'm biased. Um, <laughs> That's okay. So I'm asking you. Because <laughs> I know the answer. Um, I hear it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because I was a distance runner in college, so I was like the cardio queen, right? And um, I now only do HIT, like high-intensity interval training. Most people know what it is. But the data is just ridiculous. Like, so so um, obviously young people respond really well. I've done it in, we actually have, we've finished a study and doing a study now in um, pre-bone marrow transplant patients. So we know that um, basically cardiovascular fitness is directly related to mortality. And so VO2 max or cardiorespiratory fitness is is rapidly increased with HIT. So we can increase it before treatment and they have a much better survival rate. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, I've done it. The first big study I did at UNC was with overweight and obese individuals. And it was, it was actually humorous now, not at the time. But really, nobody in the department and at the IRB, which is like the research regulators... They're like, there's no fucking way you're gonna do this. Like, they're they're too fragile. They can't do it. They can't do it. it. Yeah. yeah, and it's actually really interesting. So I've published a few papers on that. They love it. So they not only do they enjoy it, but they they respond. And so three weeks of training. If you think about that population, and even anybody that's listening, like we all get in those times where like we've taken time off or we you know feel out of shape. It's like one of the best ways to like. Get your ass in gear. Take literally, we know like after two sessions, you'll see a response, and so it you allow yourself to feel a little bit better. Um, we're now trying to do it in like knee osteoarthritis patients um, because they're limited in the amount of volume that they can do. Mm-hmm. And I'll even say like post pregnancy, like obviously I didn't go like week two, but I started walking <laughs> and then started doing interval training because it was like I needed a way to get back quickly um, and I needed a low volume. Um, so I wouldn't, you know, no overuse injuries. It was kind of like a fragile body time. And HIT is the best time efficient way. Even, you know, I'd put my kid to bed and I'd jump on the treadmill and you'd bang it out in 20 minutes, you know. And so it's, I will say, I'll admit it's hard to get started. But once you get started, it's the best thing that happens. And how hard do I need to work on those intervals? <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Yeah, you think about, um, I remember my dad when the, the Tabata stuff came out. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, we just wrote this article. This isn't this interesting. And, of course, he goes and tries to do Tabatas on this, you know, mm-hmm. resistance cycle at the gym and, was just croaking yeah, on yeah. the floor, and I think it turned him away from it for years. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, how how much does it have to suck for that person? I mean, it does have to suck, but yeah. so I always like to say, and one um, we've looked at some different protocols in the lab, and the best one we see is um, one minute on, one minute off. 
because you can do anything for a minute, right? But you also have <laughs> to re- rest. It's not enough. <laughs> but that's good because it's like you realize that the intensity of that minute is not going to be like a Tabata 10 second, right? So you're going to have to be able to make it through the minute um, and then rest a minute. And so usually we shoot for 10 sets, but sometimes you can't start that high, right? Maybe you do six or seven. And I always say like maybe you have to notch it down a little bit. The intensity isn't quite as high. Um, it's just going to take a little bit longer to see the adaptations, right? So based on the science, we know you can get it in a couple sessions, but maybe you bump it down, right? And it maybe will take a few more. So it's not a sprint mentality. No, and it's not an exact science, which mm-hmm. is so nice about it. We've actually done some like at-home programs, like say, hey, go do this on your own, which you can, you know, like I said, you may not respond like right away, but you're going to respond. Um, and we know you're going to respond so much quicker than if you, if I told you to do like a couch to 5k program, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, there's lots of variations to it. And, and does it matter really to what, uh, what modality you choose or what size of kettlebell you, uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is it the size that matters? <laughs> Please tell me no. <laughs> It depends. (laughs) Um, No, I think that's one of the nice things about HIT is that mode doesn't really matter. However, if you're a runner, like run, right? And I find like since I was a runner, I don't get the same physiological like body comp benefits if I bike because it's like quad dominant. I still like it. But so I think it just depends. Um, Like even, I mean, we know this physiologically. If you can involve more muscles, it's going to be better. So like a rowing Right? Intervals. Hello. <laughs> they suck, but they are good, right? Yeah, you can you do suck. them on the elliptical, but I mean, think about it. It's just harder to get your heart rate up. Mm-hmm. So you kind of look weird going like 85% <laughs> on on. Yeah, but you should look you next can... to you and be like, girl, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Better not Butter watch that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, mode is. is dependent on person and and what about um nutrition around a workout yes. like that like I, that. I know i know that you've you've spoken recently about fasted cardio mm-hmm. versus fed cardio mm-hmm. um to, to people yeah if you're talking about high intensity versus uh more you know that 45 minute to an hour 130 heart less food the better right? yeah <laughs> oh, and yeah. as long as you're in the fat burning zone <laughs> so yeah don't get your heart rate above seventy yeah. percent. Yeah, such a disservice. And now I will say, like, that's so nice. Yeah, so <laughs> girl. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're just lying. There might be better yeah. ways. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. Like, I, I mean, I can't have like a burrito before I go to hit. Like, you have to be leery of that. But it, so there's a lot of good data, and we've actually looked at this too, specifically in women that fasting um, blunts your ability to utilize fat. And so if you look... Did, did you hear that? <laughs> Wait, can we repeat that, that one more time? Now, fa- fasting, though, let's, let's define yeah, fasting. Yeah. Though. It's having not eaten in how long? A few hours. Like, okay. usually so we define... starting the morning with, some, with, with fasted hit is what you're talking about right well and i i would say you know like if it's somebody like sometimes people do it like once every you know few weeks that's okay um but a lot of times people do it because i'm gonna burn fat i'm gonna be like a fat burning machine which you're just gonna be miserable right Mm -hmm. especially if you do it day in and day out because then you're not fueled and your volume suffers um and then we did a really interesting study because it goes back to like think about what a woman is gonna grab if you say okay don't go fasted what are you gonna grab a banana or like you know some pretzels Mm -hmm. And so we really wanted to look at like, okay, what happens if you have, you know, 90 calories of carbohydrate or 90 calories of protein before you train something like high intensity interval training, resistance training or aerobic. 
Um, and we found that the 90 calories of protein, not only did it burn more calories after exercise, so it stimulated metabolism, it also um, stimulated a greater fat use. And so it matters what you have before, mm-hmm. which is kind of nice because now it's saying don't just eat anything, right? Let's pump you with some amino acids or some protein. And all we used was like a scoop away protein. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, so how long before a workout? We we did it for the study purposes, like 30 minutes before. Mm-hmm. And that's long that's enough for you to actually be able to use it as fuel mm-hmm. to a certain degree? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, especially if it's liquid. So if you had yeah. like a chicken breast, it's going to take longer. Yeah. Um, but like a branch chain or amino acid mm-hmm. or a whey is going to get there. I would even argue like if you can stomach a yogurt, you know, for a whole food, like a Greek yogurt, um, that would digest pretty quickly mm-hmm. too. Maybe just give yourself a little bit more time then or yeah, yeah. everybody's stomach is different right, right? right. Mm-hmm. But so important. I mean the same is true for men too. The data shows that fat oxidation or use is blunted when they fast. Mm-hmm. It's just more blunted for women. Um, which is kind of interesting. So this is only for, for um, interval training though or, the, or that person who's going doing that 45 minutes Everything. study state they're yep. also blunted. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so the workout's done. They need to slug the shake as well. Then, or is there is there is there any real case um, to say, yeah, you really should then, or case to say you really, you know, there's nothing to begin by not doing it, right? But why would you not do it? I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at two things. Not, definitely nothing to lose by doing it, mm-hmm. right? But then also it goes beyond. Like maybe your goal isn't potty comp or you know whatever fat oxidation, but damn, you're going to be sore, right? Like if you move that window out too far, um, like don't eat pretty close, like we know that you'll have greater muscle damage or you won't recover as quickly. And then it goes back to like, what do you want to feed? Do you need to feed protein before and after? Like a lot of it goes with just fitting your macros into the best place around your workout. And sometimes you have all your intake squared away, but it's moving things around your workout just to be more advantageous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She did say the M word in there. Uh, yeah, you know. The macros. Ma- <laughs> oh, I heard it. I heard it. You figure out your macros. Yeah. Well, so, and you did bring it up, <clears throat> eating before mm-hmm. versus after. Um, I know that comes up a lot. And sometimes for us, too, it's I teach a class mm-hmm. or I go work out and then I have to go do something. Mm-hmm. But I had a pretty good meal an hour before. Mm-hmm. Does that allow me to push out my window a little bit further mm-hmm. and not think, oh, there go all my gains or I'm not going to recover as quickly? Mm-hmm. So you can kind of play around with that a little bit. For sure. Yeah. Well, especially like I would argue if you had like your 90 calories of protein shake before, that's probably not going to get you there. But if you had like your whole Mm -hmm. meal, Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah. But if it was three hours earlier, like I had breakfast, then I worked out on my lunch break. Um, and does breakfast still serve me, basically? Yeah. I think it depends on how big your breakfast is and how hard your workout was, mm-hmm. right? And so most of us, on an everyday basis, we're not going to deplete our glycogen stores and, you know, like totally tear ourselves down. So you probably would be okay. But still, I would argue if you're eating breakfast and working out at lunch, like you need to eat anyways, right? Yeah. So. I'd be hungry. <laughs> I wouldn't even make it that long. I'd be eating during my workout. Like, no. Nah, it's the workout. Yeah. <laughs> Walking to the fridge. That's awesome. So, so an- another thing that we hear a lot from not only women, but men as well, but it seems like more from women is talk about food sensitivities and uh, all of this yeah. as well. Um, and not only food sensitivities from the angle of I have food sensitivities, but there's also this food sensitivity backlash that also is happening. There. Mm-hmm. You don't really know what your sensitivities are. Um, where, where, does, where does that fit into this? How, how high of a priority is it to figure out your sensitivities, if at all? 
That's a really good question. So one bad thing is that it's a soft science. There's really not a lot of good data on it. Um, but there is data that shows that women's guts are more susceptible to things like that. And it's more related to stress. Um, and a lot of what we know about sensitivity is it comes from eating the same foods all the time, which we are notorious for doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe that we have sensitivities. However, the science behind it is a little soft, like how you might measure that. Um, but I would encourage people so you can get a fancy test. And I've actually done that before. Um And maybe there's something to be had if you have all the money in the world, right? But if you kind of stop and think and you ask a woman to like kind of look at the foods that she's eating, you can usually pick out what's causing the problem or you start eliminating certain foods to figure out. And by causing the problem, like most women who are listening will know like you get like gut gremlins sound like a good way to <laughs> <Yeah>. describe it <laughs> rumble. no it's not Rumbling a rumble it's like they're like yeah like hitting you from the inside yeah, you know and, and bloating and yes. and yeah. so usually there's like one culprit uh-huh. um and it, it also comes to like a lot of our guts our bacteria are really poor um based on our diet and stuff so i find and what the science shows we're doing a study on this now is actually a probiotic can help kind of rebuild the gut and build up against some of those intolerances or really prevent against leaky gut so it kind of like keeps the the gut stronger from some of those things causing the problems um so there's a lot of things you can do i will say it's really hard because usually if you eat something at breakfast, it might be after lunch that you feel those gremlins. Uh, and so, so it's yeah. like starting like, well, was, was it what I had for lunch or was it what I had for breakfast? And it's usually a couple meals before. So it's like a delayed onset response. And what about um, for women who have dieted for competitions? Um, you know, maybe it's you, you mentioned eating the same thing, but also they might have taken out mm-hmm. dairy or mm-hmm. they might have taken out um, a lot of carbs mm-hmm. or grains from their diet because you mm-hmm. know they're trying to cut back and lose, you know, any extra pound of body fat that they can. So what type of reactions do they see? But then can they mm-hmm. reverse it mm-hmm. so that I can eat dairy, I can eat gluten, I can mm-hmm. eat. Yeah, that was that was my question. Like, if if you're sensitive, mm-hmm. how do you, how, you know, yeah, is it off limits? Not, do yeah. I never get to <laughs> eat the broccoli yeah, again? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a great question. I think lactose intolerance is a little bit different, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, but yeah, so if you take it out of your diet and then reintroduce it, that sometimes causes problems. But really what they say to do or kind of what you're supposed to do is remove it for like a few months and then slowly reintroduce it. Um, and same thing like for competitors, right? If you take something, if you take grains totally out and you start to eat them or you have your cheat meal, you're not going to feel good, right? Like if you think about grains, take a water molecule with it. So you're going to be bloated. You're going to be heavy, right? Like so even slowly reintroducing on the backside is going to yeah. be helpful. So you you may not actually have an allergy to gluten. Right. Right. It's just that your body doesn't like, know what give to do. me all the carbs. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah. You're yeah. going to bloat from it. Yeah. Huh. So that's a normal response. So I'm still trying to think, though, if, if somebody's curious about this, what their options are to to learn what, mm. what their, you know, what their problems or what their challenges are. Like, is it go to the local naturopath mm-hmm. who then might really want you to have a very specific plan based on their principles? Mm-hmm. Or is it something online? Mm-hmm. Or how do you figure out what your sensitivities well, are? Well, and you said you did mm-hmm. a test. Mm-hmm. How, what was your, how did you... Uh, 
respond to that? I mean, did you follow what it said yeah. and you found it to be beneficial yeah. or no? I found it to be really beneficial. It was just kind of expensive. So even to this day, um, so I use, there's a company out there, I use Alcat, and they just send you a kit, you draw your blood and send it back or have a lab mate draw your blood or whoever, go to a <laughs> clinic and draw your blood and send it in. And then they can measure different things. So I had to measure like main foods and they can also measure like food colorings and ingredients, which mm. is really interesting. Mm. Um, and I, at the time, this was several years ago because I was having a lot of gut problems um, and it turns out it was mostly related to stress. Um, <laughs> but then also like the same foods, that, like broccoli was on there, like really healthy foods um, that I ate every day. And mm. so, I mean, you take them out and then reintroduce them. And even um, like little things like I was um, sensitive to red 40, which isn't everything, mm -hmm. you know, and so maybe I was consuming too much of that. And so it usually is related to that. And there's no, th no not anything like you can't ever have. It's just reintroducing them. And then I Drink will take a glass of red 40 every night. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> note to self. And sometimes that you alcohol. honestly that's don't a, realize it point. until you take yeah. it out, right? And so, um, and I will say, like, our guts go through different phases. Like, I don't know, Cassie, if you saw this, but I don't know what happens post pregnancy, but I was like lactose intolerant, couldn't eat broccoli, like all my favorite foods, and I had to like phase it out. And then now it's fine. Like, something happens to your gut, which makes sense if you think about physiologically what happens. Mm -hmm. So like even after competition, your gut changes. And so I would say there's different times in life based on what you eat and everything that your gut is continually changing. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up broccoli because I think when people are like, oh, I have GI problems, I'm going to get rid of dairy and gluten. Those yeah. are the two things. Nobody's ever get rid of broccoli. broccoli. No, yeah, but it, you could have, I, I know my sister, you know, besides having celiac disease and actually being allergic to gluten, but eggs, mm -hmm. uh, iceberg lettuce. That's what things. came up for me, too. Yeah, yeah. things yeah. that you would think. Yeah, which yeah. is the biggest like water yeah. Yeah. ever. But, what but, is there in there to irritate <laughs> I you? I don't understand. It's just, it's interesting that um, we kind of have this mindset that it has to be this horrible thing that I'm eating, but mm -hmm. it, it, that you could take that out of your diet and still be miserable. Mm -hmm. You know, so it may be worth, you know, if, if you do phase out things and you don't notice any change to kind of go for the Right, test. if you're miserable, like you need yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing too, and I actually think we become has this an article on this, but FODMAPs diet. Yeah. So yeah. helpful. Like actually that's what I did post pregnancy. I just took all those foods out and they're like really great foods, right? Onions are on Yeah. There, right? Like it's mm -hmm. like things that are high in fructose um and fiber. Mm -hmm. And and it has a huge for me it had a huge difference. And so like sometimes when I have like a flare up or you know, like when you're traveling out of your mm -hmm. element, like you just kind of bring it back to the basics. And it's good to know those two tricks. And even the mm -hmm. science on fad, FODMAPs is increasing. Mm -hmm. And it's just some of how your body responds to it, mm -hmm. which is another kind of good step that's cheap. Mm -hmm. yeah. can also be easy though, to start to feel like, oh, no, I can't have anything. Yeah, but it's well, short term. You start self-diagnosing <laughs> yeah. yourself. Yeah. And then yeah. we know how that always ends yeah. up. I have a tumor. Um, I'm going to die. <laughs> and I can't eat anything but water. So... <laughs> But well, I can prove. According, yeah, according to WebMD. <laughs> well, thanks for talking. I feel like yeah, we've covered is, a ton of good I information. I know. I'm, yeah, it's great. Mm -hmm. So where can we find more about you, our, our listeners? Where can they find out more about you? Um, hmm. No, I don't have a website or anything oh, like that. But, Bumble. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't tell her husband I'm happily married. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, at my at UNC, we have a homepage mm -hmm. and I have a, you know contact information on there. I am on Twitter. I'm a tweeter. 
Yeah. Um, so what's your Twitter? Because uh, you do you post uh, science stuff. You yep. do. Yeah. So what's your Twitter? At a Smith Ryan. At a Smith Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always interesting. Yeah. So any up to date new novel research stuff, you you know you'll get it hear it first or see it first on a nice tweet. Do you ever start any Twitter flame wars oh, with other yeah. scientists? Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you don't go to the same part of Twitter either. <laughs> Those people, uh, let me tell you, science and research take, take a long fucking time. So, like, I don't have time to do the data and, you know, fight people on it. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. No. We leave it to other people because you know yeah. there are some out there. Yes, that people love that. That's yeah. not really my forte. All right, until next time. Thanks again, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Hey, if you like free stuff, you're going to like Tim's Rewards by Tim Hortons. You can earn free food or drinks after every seven purchases. Cool. How do I win? Um, it's not a contest. You just use your Tim's Rewards card, and after seven purchases, you score a free coffee, tea, or baked good. Whoa, so I've got a pretty good chance of winning. Well, actually, you've got a 100% chance of winning. Those are great odds. <laughs> they sure are. Free coffee and more with Tim's Rewards. It's Tim Hortons' way of saying thanks. Valid only at participating restaurants. Please visit restaurant or timhortons.com rewards for full program details.